I'm Lord McDougall and welcome to Planet Pipe. The first in a little while, so hopefully you guys will enjoy the show as much as I've enjoyed putting it together. I'm very pleased to bring you an interview with Alistair Campbell ahead of the launch of his new book. Alistair's known primarily for his roles under Tony Blair's Labour government in the UK during the late 90s and early 2000s. And what on earth has that got to do with bagpipes, you may ask? Well, we'll find out a little bit later. But first... As we've been away for a while, we've got lots of new music to play as well. And let's start with a track from John Mulheron and his recent release, The Pipe Factory. John is known for albums that emphasise sound, the sound of the pipes and the sound of the spaces that the pipes are being played in. This album, The Pipe Factory, has sleeve notes that say this album is about place and sound. Every sound in this recording, every kick, snap and pop, every bass note, pad and melody, everything was recorded in the Pipe Factory on Bain Street, Glasgow. Take it from me, this is one for the good headphones. Let's hear it now, this is a track from John Mulheron's album, this is the Pipe Factory with the title track, The Pipe Factory. Thank you. 
John Mulheron from his new album The Pipe Factory which was released back in April and is available on Bandcamp. My guest today is a man whose name you might recognise. Indeed, his name is as Scottish as you can get, probably even more so than my own. I don't think he'd mind me saying that he's probably not known primarily as a bagpiper, although he is one, but is a respected and admired figure in the world of politics also, and now mental health awareness. He'd admit himself that his late brother Donald Campbell was a superior piper to himself, and Donald released an album in 2009 called A Piper's Tapestry. This was recorded during his time as a piper in residence at the University of Glasgow, and he surrounds himself with some other great musicians. We'll hear a track from that now.
three jigs there, Drops of Brandy, followed by The Seagull and Thunderhead from Donald Campbell and that was from his album The Piper's Tapestry and sadly Donald passed away in 2016 and this had a huge effect on his brother Alistair who is my guest this week. And those times are documented in Alistair's new book, which is called Living Better, which has just been released this week. He's released a number of novels and also published diaries over the last few decades. But this new book is one on mental health and charts his own journey to improve it. And like I said at the beginning, Alistair's probably best known for his role in the Labour government underneath Tony Blair between 1994 and 2003, where he had roles including spokesman and campaign director for Tony Blair, Downing Street press secretary and Downing Street director of communications and spokesman for the Labour Party. I began by asking him if during all those times it was even possible to keep those pipes going. I've always found, I've always found some time for piping, obviously you know, if you're very, very, very busy, it's quite, it can be difficult, but I've always tried to find some time. Um, I think now that the pipes have changed sufficient for you, maybe that there used to be a time, I think, where you kind of, you didn't play like, you know, really regularly and the pipes could go off very, very quickly. Um, but I've always, always, always tried to keep at least some time. And then what happened was, um, a few years ago, we were up in, um, I did this TV program for Sky, where I played with Finley McDonald from the, the piping centre. Yeah. Um, he kind of coached me and I played at the, uh, the Royal Concert Hall in Glasgow and St Andrew's Day event. And it really kind of rekindled my, my whole sort of passion for it. And, sent, and then my partner Fiona, she got me a new set of pipes for Christmas. And my brother, who was still alive at the time, he was a, you know, he was a, he was a really good piper and he was the official piper at Glasgow University. And uh, so I'd say I've, I've gone through these stages where when I was a child, learning the pipes as a small child, I played a lot. Then maybe when I was a journalist, a lot less so. Then I was a busker for a year in, in France. And then as a journalist, less so. And politics, even less so. And then since then, I'd say I've been um, pretty regular. And, and, you know, we're out on holiday now and I've got the pipes with me and I've probably played them three times this week. The The reason why um, I came across your, your name again um, was through the, the documentary that was out on BBC Two back in 2016 again. Um, about mental mm-hmm. health, which is obviously a, a big passion of yours. Um, so that's really why I wanted to speak to you and, and, and sort of talk about why piping is, is a big part of you and a big part of, of what you do to help improve your mental health. Um, and as a, as a fellow depression myself, um, the, the big thing from that documentary that I took, and I'm glad to see it's in your book as well, is the stuff about the jar, the jam jar. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so really, I'd like to talk about that later on. But first of all, let's let's go back to the beginning. I mean, your name, Alistair Campbell, it's a very Scottish name. Your accent clearly isn't Scottish, but from the the the, the book, you've got a big. The whole first first second chapter is is about that sort of stuff. Uh, why why did you get into pipes at the start? Um, I suppose the obvious answer is that my dad wanted us to. Um, 
but then again, I didn't, even though he did, I didn't have to. One of, one of my brothers did go with the pipes. One of my other brothers didn't. My other brother, Graham, didn't. So Donald and I learned together. And I, I did, even though we were born in Yorkshire, brought up in Yorkshire till I was about 10 or 11, I always did feel, I think, more Scottish, Scottish than English. Um, my parents were, they weren't Scot Scottish nationalists, but they were very Scottish. They were very Scottish in terms of their their kind of outlook on life. They were very Scottish in terms of their their social life, even in Yorkshire, it was all kind of rooted around the Caledonian society and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, and my dad was a native Gaelic speaker. Gaelic was his, his first language. Um, and I think he felt that that kind of pull, particularly as he'd left Scotland to, to, to get his own practices as a vet. Your dad was originally from Tyree, is that right? He was, yeah, he was, from, he was originally from Tyree. And, um, and then the other thing is we spent every summer holiday, I say in the book, we spent every summer holiday going from various relatives around Scotland and always ending up in Tyree. That was the kind of the main focus of our summer holiday. Mm -hmm. And um, I was very fond of my dad's brother, Uncle Hector, and his wife, Auntie Mary, and they had, they had kids that we were close to. And one of them I write about in length in the book, Lucky, my, my cousin who, who took his own life in the year 2000, and he was a piper. Uncle Hector was a piper. Um, my uncle James was a piper. Um, we had, it was just kind of around us all the time. My dad was a vet, as I say, and he would at least two or three times a week, he would, when we were very small children, I can remember he used to go down in the, down by the garage in the house and just kind of play and practice and what have you. So I think he was, it may have been a, it may have been a straightforward thing of wanting to please your dad. I don't know. Um, but I took to it very, very quickly. I remember, I do remember, I do remember my first getting, mastering Scots Way. Yeah. The College of Piping Chitterbrook. Yeah. I don't know if it is the still the same tune that everybody learns first, but I do remember the first time thinking I've got all that, I've got all those grace notes right. Mm -hmm. It's such a boring tune, and man, man, so, and then, then after that was High Road to Gerlock, then it was High Laddie, and so it went on. Um, and I think, I think both my brother and I, we both learned very, very fast. I think we, we became quite competitive about it mm -hmm. in terms of who could learn and memorize a tune faster. And then we got, do, do, do kids still learn on the goose? Is that still? Yeah, that happen? still happens, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then we got a goose and we did that. And then I think at one point I had a set of pipes with one drone. And then I think the first time I, first time I played a kind of full set, I was probably about 10. Yeah. Um, you know, and, I, when I, and, and I, I do look, I've got a picture of it somewhere. I do look quite ridiculous because I mean, <laughs> the pipes are as big as I am. Um, and then once, once, so then that was when we were in Yorkshire and then we moved to Leicester and we played in the Leicester City, City Leicester Pipe Band for quite a bit. Um, and then we started to compete. Um, and then Tony Wilson was pipe major of a band in Peterborough and we used to travel from Leicester to Peterborough every Sunday for lessons with him. Now that's 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 really fascinating for me because 
Tony was my tutor. Was he? Yeah, between maybe primary school, end of, end of primary school, uh, maybe between the ages of eight to 11, I got taught by Tony. Um, and so where, where was he living then? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm Carradale, which is about 16 miles from Campbelltown. Right, he moved back to Campbelltown. He, he did, yes, he did, yeah. And then, and so, and then he did the whole Mullough-Kintyre thing and all that. I would imagine that that must have been after, because Mullough-Kintyre was, when was Mullough-Kintyre? Yeah, it was after, much after, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah he, he would have moved back, yeah, and he was pipe major of the, the Campbelltown pipe band. Yeah, so that was, and then, so then we were competing both um, with the band and, and individually. And um, uh, so yeah, I mean, it wasn't like, it, it wasn't like kind of every day and every week, but, but yeah, no, we definitely practice every week. Um, and performing probably a couple of times a week. So it was, you know, it was a big, it was a big part of my growing up. Mm -hmm. And was it ever a, a potential career for you back then? No, no, I don't think so. I think it was, um, I mean, it became a career for my brother because he went into the Scots Guards as a pipe, but he was, he was in the, the pipe band in the Scots Guards. But then when he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, he was invalided out of the army. And then he, he, he did all these different, he tried to do all these different jobs and then, Eventually, piping became his thing. So he got this job at Glasgow University working in the security department. But then he just started doing these events for them and he became the official piper. And that was, you know, he taught a lot. He actually, you know, it's funny how the, the world sort of goes around is, is he ended up teaching kids in Tyree, uh, going out there and teaching the kids um, both virtually and also flying out to Tyree. To, That's good because I think there's, there's a... There's a bit too many accordion players, not enough pipers coming out with Tyree. <laughs> a bit outnumbered. Yeah, well, because, yeah, my cousin Lappy, he, he revived the pipe band at one point. Um, I can remember, I do remember playing with the pipe band once with um, my uncle. They were, they were always short of pipers. And so in the summer, there's myself, my dad and my brother, they had three extra pipers. So that was our holiday, playing with the pipe band. So your brother Donald, I actually, I didn't make the connection at the time, but I did let, I really enjoy his CD that he put out in 2009, the Piper's oh, Tapestry. Good. Yeah, so I dug that up again. I'll probably play a track earlier on. Oh, brilliant. Um, so, so yeah, that's really fantastic to listen to it again because it, it sort of reminded me of what I was doing myself in 2009. I think we've got yeah. a couple of bandmates in common listening to the CD. I think you had Stevie Lawrence and Bazooka and that, who's a, an ex-bandmate of mine. Um, oh, right. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, so you, you spoke about Donald and, and his problems. Again, what I'm really noticing is, is the big positive that the pipes bring and, and the, big com the big sort of comfort that it's, it gave to Donald. Oh, yeah. Could, could you explain that? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to his, his experiences, his, his terrible experiences being paused just by playing CDs of his favourite pipers and, and indeed him actually starting to play along to the tunes. Could, could you explain why you think that happens? I think, I mean, I do think that the, we don't love the pipe. And even though he had a bad ending in the army, he actually enjoyed being, he, not necessarily being a soldier doing the, the sort of soldiering part, but he loved being the pipe band in the army. Mm -hmm. And I think it gave him a sense of 
camaraderie. I think it gave him a sense of status. And he, and, and even though he, you know, his time in the army ended badly because he became ill, um, he never had a bad word to say about it. And he always, <clears throat> if you go to Glasgow University, when he died, we, my uh, nieces and nephews and my children, they, they, they clubbed together and we got this portrait commissioned of Donald, which is there. And he loved that kind of stuff. He loved the idea that you know, he'd be there on the walls now. And when we did the unveiling of it, lots of his old guards mates came. And so he always felt that sense of connection. And I think with Donald with the pipes, I think, you know, not to put too fine a point about it, I think partly if you've got an illness, which he had, where regularly you're getting invaded by these voices in your head, I think he felt sometimes if he was in control of this, you know, pretty loud sound. Um, that I think was a part of it. But then I think the other thing was he just loved the whole thing. I, I'm less kind of passionate about this, but he loved the whole thing about putting on a kilt and and you know the shoes being clean and um, the the pipes being properly polished. And he just it was part of his kind of the what he what he presented to the world and who he was and and. Um, yeah, the, the end was really, really sad. In fact, I, I write about this in the book, two things really, that, that the last time he played the pipes themselves, um, and again, it's just funny how these things come together like this. The very last time he played the pipes was at Charles Kennedy's memorial at Glasgow University. And he and I played together. Charles was a good friend of mine. Donald knew Charles through his work at the university. And so there was this kind of event for Charles and speeches and Nicholas Sturgeon was there and other big politicians were there. And Donald and I were going to pipe everybody out. And I could tell he wasn't well, his, his breathing was bad and his face was very kind of white and very puffy. And I, I said, listen, are you sure you can do this? He said, yeah, yeah, I like, I like Charlie, I want to do this. We'll just do it. And let's just do, let's just do one try in the quadrangle and then that's it. So we started playing and we walked down the steps playing and then we walked out into the quadrangle. I'm looking across at Donald and I can see he's really struggling. And eventually he stopped and I carried on playing and, and that was the last time he played. And after that, he bought a couple of, you know, these electronic pipes. Oh, yeah. he, he, bought, he bought some of those. That was, that was a total nightmare because it meant he could actually, Donald used to phone all the time, mm -hmm. right? all the time, he was never off the phone. And in many he could actually phone and play. <laughs> At least if he's playing the, the full pipes, right? He can't actually phone and phone, but now he could phone and play. <laughs> anyway, when he, when he finally um, died um, in the hospital, um, he was bad by the end. He'd, he'd, he really, he'd, he'd had a, taken a real turn for the worse and, and he'd stopped taking his medication and he was kind of a bit psychotic um, and got a bit violent and just, you know, the voices were bad and what have you. So my sister, she took in some of his old CDs, not just him, but, you know, other CDs of, mm. of pipes, people playing the pipes. And she said he put them, she put them in the machine and it's, it calmed down. Yeah. And just the last memory of him is, is of him in there, listening to this CD of himself playing, and he's and he's tapping out the tune on the side on the rail on the side of the bed, yeah. and um, 
Yeah, Pipes was a massive, 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 massive part of his life. Massive. And, and I think gave his life, you know, schizophrenia is a horrible illness, but I think it gave his life a quality that he otherwise wouldn't have had. I think the Pipes did that. Um, the, the connections it gave him, as I say, the status it gave him to have a, you know, that official position as the university piper, the contact it gave him with different people, the general, you know, the, the, the fact of seeing, I remember him saying once, I can't remember the exact number, but he said, he said, you know, I'm, it was, I, he came with me to do, I was doing a talk and somebody asked me what I was most proud of. And I said, you know, blah, 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 whatever. And um, afterwards, Donald said, you know that question you asked about how, what you're most proud of? He said, you know what I just said? I just said, I've piped out 6,000 doctors. <laughs> <laughs> it was whatever number it was, he said, I've piped them all out. <laughs> Fantastic. So do you, when you play pipes, is that sort of a connection to Donald that you've still got? Do you feel that? Very strongly, yeah. Yeah, I do. I think that's why I play them. I, he actually left me his pipes in his will. Right. We discovered he was a bit of a hoarder. And when he died, my sister and I went and we, we discovered about seven sets of pipes, six, ten kilts, uh, 15 sporans, thousands of reeds. I mean, just tons of stuff. We actually gave most of the pipes we gave to Tyree, to the school. Some we gave to the, the piping centre. And so I've now got two sets of pipes, but my own have got Donald's. And actually, I just played Donald's. And so, yeah, and I feel that, I do feel that connection. Since he and my dad died, I've, I feel that when I, when I play particularly, I feel that very strongly. And I feel, you know, when I play now, I get, I can get, I, I actually do a lot of, um, I do a lot of kind of freestyle stuff. You know, I play and I'm just making up as I go along. I do that a lot. And particularly, kind of very slow stuff and a bit lamenty. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I saw that somewhere on one of your notes about one of your tunes is that you you play it differently each time, which is an excuse yeah. that I use as well. <laughs> well, some of the tunes, some of the tunes I've written, I've actually, because I don't write music in the way that you know serious pipers do. But what I do is I take them and I send them to Finley, and he has actually transcribed the music for some of them. Oh yes. But even even then, I will play it differently. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've written a couple of tunes that are basically kind of laments for my dad and, and my brother. Yeah. So again, yeah. massive connections there. Yeah. Um, so about mental health and yourself, let's talk a little bit about that and, and when things started to go a bit wrong for you. I think I think pipes were involved there as well, but in, in a bit of an unfortunate way. Well, yeah, they were in a way. I mean, what happened with me is that I, I was I've been heading for a breakdown for some time, I think, but I couldn't see it. And I was 28, I was working very hard, I was drinking a lot. I was a journalist at the time and I was, I was with Neil Kinnock up in, in Hamilton, in Fife, and he was speaking at a dinner. And um, I was starting to crack up, literally crack up. I was hearing voices, I was hearing music and all sorts of stuff was going on. And this guy, carrying a set of pipes, walked past me. Now, bear in mind, if you're in the middle of a psychotic breakdown, some stuff's real and some stuff's not, okay? This guy was real. I'm convinced of that, okay? Anyway, he's walking along carrying a set of pipes, and I said, I said, is this about Donald? He said, what are you talking about? Which was, 
looking back was a fair question, right? Because <laughs> I'm asking him about what's happening in my head. I said, is this about Donald? Have I got what Donald's got? Is this what happens to him? So this guy, not surprisingly, looks at me like I completely, you know, completely off my head. He says, I don't know what you're talking about, Paul. Walks on. Next thing I hear, there's all these bagpipes going on. Now that could have been real because these pipe, there were pipers there. They were piping Neil Kinnock into this dinner. Mm -hmm. But also I've been having pipes in my head as well. And so it was all this kind of just weird, that was what the crack up was. It wasn't, don't get me wrong, there's other stuff going on. It wasn't all about bagpipes. But then I got arrested because um, uh, I was behaving a bit weirdly in, in this public place. Um, and that was the turning point for me. I ended up in hospital that night. And then, you know, uh, I, I started to get a grip of myself, stopped drinking and uh, changed my job, uh, started to look after myself a bit better. Um, but yeah, it was interesting how the, 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 you know, the pipes in Scotland and politics were all in there again. So about getting better and this docu the documentary that, that um, made me want to speak to you about it. What did you do? I mean, obviously, I don't want to either spoil the documentary um, for anyone that's not seen it. And I don't know if they're able to access it. I know that, that, that the Jam Jar clip is still somewhere on the BBC website. Right. Um, and the whole documentary might be somewhere else out there. And I also don't want to spoil, spoil the book. But could you tell us how pipes and, and of course, you, you've, you've got lots of things you talk about, your, your positive things, the things that, that help you. Uh, mm. Is it Bromley as well? I'm not a football person. Is that right? Burnley. 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 <laughs> um, see what I mean? No idea. Even Celtic Rangers, no idea. You really are. You really are. <laughs> <laughs> it's pipe bands for me. That takes up enough of my head. Um, Bromley have a pipe band. Do they? I'm, I'm, I'm asking you. You're the pipe band. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Probably, there's a lot of pipes in that area. Yeah, there are. So from, from that documentary, I learned about the, the jam jar. I know you went through all sorts of different potential yeah. ways of treating your depression, medication and, and, and shock therapy and things like that. But the one that did ring true with me was the jam jar. Could you talk a little bit about the general idea of this jam jar? Yeah, it was a lady in Canada. She's a genetic um, expert. And I, and I was really interviewing her about whether there's a hereditary element to depression and to mental illness. And she said, there isn't, um, but she said that, she basically says, that, let's just imagine this is a jam jar. She says that you, you down at the bottom of the jar is, is your kind of, your background, your history, your genes, where you come from. Nothing you can do about that. And then your life fills up the jam jar and that's experiences that are good or bad or indifferent and some things you remember and they stay in and other things come out. And she said, we spend all our time obsessing about what's inside and whether we can undo it. Whereas actually what we should be thinking about is extending it and growing it so as we've got more space to accommodate stuff that might otherwise overwhelm us. So her theory is that if you, if you become ill, it's because your jam jar gets so full that it explodes. And if you, whereas if you work on growing it and developing it, I must admit when she first said it, I, thought, I couldn't really get my head around it. But then I got back home and I, it sort of, one night it sort of clicked. And so I, I went downstairs and I drew my own jam jar and I extended all these things. So like relationships, work, um, work that you get money for, work that you don't get money for, things that makes you feel better about yourself, um, sleep, diet, exercise, 
Bromley, I mean Burnley Football Club, uh, and then Bagpipes was in there, and music more generally was in there, and creativity and curiosity, and and I'm I'm kind of up to here almost before I've even said medication. Um, and what was interesting about it, just as a kind of insight, which I have used, I mean, I've used it when I've had bad spells since. I've, I've thought, right, today I'm going to do something related to every part of the jam jam. Yeah. You know, write a tune, play a tune, listen to some music. Uh, if there's no football to do with Burnley, maybe phone one of the players that I know, phone the manager, just have a chat. Um, the, the thing about diet and exercise, even though I feel low, I really always try and exercise. Mm-hmm. So, you know, work my way through my jam jar. Thing, the things about, I mean, my dog's sort of lying there asleep on the floor just now, right? But, you know, things like the, the, the key, just making a point when I'm feeling shit of, of being nice, trying to be nice to the people that I ought to be nice to, whereas mm-hmm. sometimes you might take them for granted. And, you know, it's just, it's just a kind of, it's, it's almost like a, it's worked for me, put it that way. Now, it doesn't mean I haven't been depressed, because I have. Mm. I had a very bad spell during lockdown, but so that's the theory, and, I've, and 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 it's and it's a way. It's the climax of the book, as you say. I go and talk to all these different experts, and in the end, it's a it's a very very simple thing that I found the most helpful. Yeah. So about lockdown, you've been during the the, the worst parts of lockdown. You were out playing your pipes for for NHS, and I believe the the Guardian, something the Guardian wasn't so. Uh, supportive of that what did they say no it's one letter to be fair one letter, one letter. they uh, said is this a way of ensuring social distance <laughs> <laughs> but that's good was that to was that to sort of obviously it was it was a salute to the nhs but was that to help you to help other people as well it just sort of happened as an accident because what happened is i was playing the pipes a lot in lockdown um and i was writing quite a few tunes as well but our next door neighbour is a nurse, yeah. and she's a good friend of my daughter. And it just so happened that on the first NHS clap on the Thursday night, eight o'clock Thursday night, whatever it was, it just so happened that Sissy, the next door neighbour, was coming off a coming off a double shift, mm-hmm. and her sister said, "Oh, Sissy's about to arrive. We should all give her a big special clap as she comes up the street." So Grace, my daughter, said, why don't you get the pipes? So I went in and got the pipes, walked down to the end of the street. We saw her coming off the, off, out of the train station, watched her coming up, and then we just piped up the street. And it, it was like Grace filmed it, put it on social media. It went around the world. Mm. It was like, you know, it was big. And I think even the Daily Mail were nice about it for the first time <laughs> in about 25 years. And, um, and so then we just did, did it every week thereafter. You know, we just played the different tune and um, and then other people in the street started to bring out instruments. A guy came out with a trombone, a guy came out with a, a Vuvuzela, uh, <laughs> another guy came out with a trumpet. It, it just sort of, yeah, it was good fun. Brilliant. So just to, to sort of finish off, and, and this is a very difficult question, can you explain why pipes help? Is it is it a therapeutic thing? Is it a spiritual thing? Is it a just a general emotional thing it's hard to explain it fully i think it's look i think if you like everybody you'll know this even better than i do but everybody who plays the pipes knows that there will be people there who love to meet 
jokes about the bagpipes. Mm-hmm. Like the guy who wrote The Garden. <laughs> and you've got to kind of, that's just part of life and, you know, let them do it. <clears throat> but everybody who really likes the pipes, really likes the pipes. Now, I'm in a, I, my, 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 Donald, my brother, was in a different league in terms of loving the pipes. He was, he used to, you know, in the middle of one busy day in Downing Street, he'd phone me and say, have you practiced today? I said, no, I haven't, Donald, because I'm fucking busy. <laughs> but said, you should practice, you're a good player, you shouldn't waste your talent, all this yeah. stuff. <laughs> um, but even, I think as I've got older, with my dad dying, with Donald dying, I think it's become more important. And I, and I do think it's about that connection. I think it's about, it's a connection to something that's yours, but it's also part of something bigger. So if I think bagpipes, I think about my Scottish heritage, I think about Tyree, I think about my dad, I think about my cousin, I think about my uncle dead, my cousin dead, my uncle, my other uncle dead, my brother dead. Um, and I think it's just a way of, you know, it's, it's amazing. You know, when I, the other day I was, we were in France and I was playing in, in this place where we were staying and there was a big mirror on the wall behind me. And I'm playing away and I just caught myself in the mirror. I thought, oh my God, that's my dad. All right. And it was the weirdest thing. And, uh-huh. you, know, and people, you know, people always say, oh, you look, you're the spitting image of your dad. Actually, I'm not the spitting image of my dad at all. But in that moment, that's what it was. That's what I caught. And, and, I, and I think it just gives you that sense of, that sense of connection. It's like the thing you said about, about Donald's CD. Um, I always think, you know, if you're, if you were Mozart or if you're Paul McCartney, or, you know, <clears throat> your music is there for the rest of time. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that's, that's something important. Um, so I, I think that I quite often listen to Donald's playing the CD and, and, you know, it's just a, it's a connection. You think that's him playing that, you know, it's not some, it's, you could play it, I could play it, but that's actually him. He's making that noise. He's making that sound. Mm -hmm. And so I find it, and I do think there's something very special about the pipes in terms of the, the, the power the power of the noise that it makes. Yeah. <clears throat> and I don't feel it, I, and by the way, I don't think you should worry about calling it a noise. It is a noise. Mm-hmm. Well, we saw, I, I saw you, you shared that, that video from Belarus with those, those <coughs> pipers from Absolutely. You know, a band um, that I actually know the pipers. They're, they're playing. Yes. Uh, well, not just through the, the internet. Um, what are those pipes, by the way? They're not. They're, they're just called medieval pipes. Now, I th- I've asked a few <coughs> I thought they were, you know. I've asked a few questions. You know, there's, a, there's a set of pipes in France called, um, oh, I don't know what they're called. Middle, I think they're called Middle French pipes, but I All think right. actually what they are, it's the same thing. They sound very uh, similar. Yeah. But um, I thought, she, I thought the, the girl in red was playing really well, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're from a band called Wrath. Brilliant. But, you know, if you think about that, you think about that thing about, um, uh, you know, people going into battle led by pipers who know they're going to get wiped out. I mean, that's pretty powerful stuff. And then, funny enough, when we were coming, going through, um, we went to the Dolomites for a few days uh, on holiday and, and uh, we, were, <laughs> we were driving through, I had the pipes in the car 
and we were driving through, we were going through Tyrol. <laughs> Over to the right was in Green Hills. <laughs> that said to me, I said, I'm really sorry for this, but we're going to have to stop. <laughs> So I got out and <laughs> so I have played the Green Hills of Tyrol in the Green Hills of Tyrol. Fantastic. Listen, Alistair, thank you so much for joining me today. We're going to play out with, with a track that's a favourite of mine as well as a favourite of yours, I've discovered, by surprise from Skippinish. Uh, maybe you can just tell us why it's a favourite. It's a track called Alive. Oh, my God. Um, uh, I love, I, I think Skippinish is brilliant. Um, I can't remember how I first came across the finish, but they've become uh, Angus and Andrew have become very good, you know, Angus in particular, a very good close friend of his. And um, they, we've, you know, I've seen them a lot. And Angus knew Donald, and um, he was from, he's from Tyree, and lots of connections. Very, he's a very good friend of, of the two boys and my cousin who killed himself. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of kind of emotional wrapped up in that. And when um, our friend Tessa Jowell, politician, was, was very ill and she was dying, um, she'd become hooked on Skippinish as well because she'd been up on holiday in Scotland with us. And so she was, used to listen to this stuff. And she used to listen to it alive all the time. With the wonder of the world, I am alive. You know, you are alive. And, 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 and she used to dance around. Hair was falling out and all that. She used to dance around singing to oh, Skippinish. And then when Fiona had her 60th, as a present, I got, I hired Skipinish to come and play up in this place we were staying up in the Highlands. Mm. And Tessa came as well. And, and as it happens, Tessa was too ill. She, she couldn't actually come down to the, to where they were playing, but she could hear it. And uh, it was, it was quite a night. And I remember, I think I said this in the book about Angus sent me a message afterwards and he said, listen, I've played for, we've played gigs for, crowds of hundreds and we play gigs of thousands and yours was just a, a small number of people but he said he felt more emotion in that room that night than you know and it was it was very very emotional it really was and partly again it's this thing about grief you know there were three friends of mine there three friends of ours who were all widows of really close friends of mine Philip Gould uh, John Merritt who was my best friend in journalism, and Charles Kennedy. And they were there. And then there was David, Tessa's husband, who was about to become a widower. And we were all dancing around to this song, Alive. Mm -hmm. You know, we are still yeah. alive. And so the whole thing was very, very, yeah, very, very powerful. Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, let's hear that now. And thanks again, Alistair. Thank you. We may not see tomorrow, but today the earth is ours. Unknown the new horizons and the hands of hired powers. But now we bear the blessings when the golden stars align. Feel the grace and hold the wonder you're alive You're alive, you're alive And the stars are on your side Feel the wonder of the world you are alive You're alive, you're alive 
That was Skippinish with a live, a special favourite of my guest this week, Alistair Campbell. And thanks again to Alistair for taking the time to speak to me. I'll be back the first Friday of next month with a new show. Until then, please consider supporting Planet Pipe and keeping the older shows online and the new shows coming by becoming a subscriber. It only costs £1 a month and it gives you access to extra exclusive content including an extended video version of this week's interview, more music and special offers from some of our pals. Speaking of pals, Modern Piping are celebrating their 20th book of music. If you aren't familiar with them then do go look at their website www.mdpiping.com. If you sign up, you get a book of new tunes from leading contemporary composers, as well as myself, every couple of months in the post. It's the baby of Australian piper and composer Lincoln Hilton, so we'll play out with a track from him now. It's from his album Me and My Chanter, which is a selection of the music that he's been releasing over the last few years over social media. This track is the Unreal Jig. I'll sign off now and I'll see you again in a few weeks for another trip on the Tartan Rocket to Planet Pipe. Uh...